Welcome to Call Your Girlfriend, a podcast for long distance besties everywhere. I'm Aminatu So. And I'm Ann Friedman. On this week's agenda, friendship. Big friendship, our forthcoming book, friendships where privilege gets in the way, friendships where one of you has moved on and doesn't know how to talk about it, friendships that are post breakup, and also friendships where fat shaming comes into play. All of these friendships and more on today's episode. Ann Friedman. Oh my God. Big week. Big week. (laughs) (laughs) Big week happening over here. What's so big about your week? I mean, it's also your week. (laughs) Tell me about it. The lead is that we are writing a book. Congratulations. Baby's first book deal. Which I have to say is I realized through the process of like telling friends that we're actually going to do this thing that like for me, you know, the way that some people are like, I've just always known I want to be a mother. Like, it's a thing I know I want to do before I die. <laughs> or like, I've just always known that I want to like live in another country or that I want to, you know, whatever, get married or whatever life milestone. I'm like, writing a book is literally the only thing that I've ever been 100% certain I want to do before I die. And I'm like, I'm doing it with you. You're, listen, <laughs> I am super excited about this. Also, I'm very proud of you. Congratulations. You're going to check one of your big milestones off of your list. That's cool. And I'm excited Um, that we're doing it together. It's been fun so far. What is the book about? So the book is called Big Friendship. (laughs) Yeah. This has been like our elevator pitch about it is that it's a memoir manifesto of a decade long friendship with lessons learned along the way. Yeah. So it is not Call Your Girlfriend the book because um, it's not a thing that we are doing as a collabo with Gina, an essential part of Call Your Girlfriend. It is not... It's not an advice book because... I mean, because, listen, like, we are still figuring out all of this stuff, like, in real time. It is it is mostly like, oh, shit, we wish we had done this differently. Right, like, <laughs> this is us, like, crawling to the first... It's like, if, if like, friendship is some sort of, like, long-ass marathon, like, we've only made it to the 10-mile marker, and we're definitely on our knees, and we're trying to, like, do the rest of it better. So... Yeah, it's not a advice book. It's not Call Your Girlfriend the book. It's not a coffee table book. It's not like fabulous pictures of us in a caftan. It's not a self-care book. Um, all of those things are on the roadmap for later. <laughs> right. And it's not also strictly a like, this is how we think the world should be kind of book. Although like, you know, we did some, we did some good like dictionary reading in the course of conceptualizing this book and working on the proposal. And Like the word manifesto, hang on, I'm going to find the actual definition. And this is truly the best trick that you've brought into my life is that like if you're struggling with something, you should just read the dictionary definition of it. And uh, thank John McPhee, who I stole it. Oh, my God. I'm not giving credit to a man. I might give credit to you who brought into my life. So it like the whole thing has been nuts for me. All I'm doing is reading the dictionary now. Thank you. 100%. I love the dictionary. What else is new? You know I love words. (laughs) I'm going to make you that t-shirt. I love the dictionary. (laughs) Um, But, you know, a manifesto is about sort of like making certain intentions 
public and making certain things that maybe were implied specific and literal. And I think that that is part of what we're doing as well. It's not just the story of the two of us, but also the story of like the cultural stew that we swim in and like the messages that we have been given about friendship and how those things have affected us trying to do this thing with each other. (laughs) Right. And also just like taking that conversation to the next level. Like there have been so many great books about women's friendship recently. We've even talked about some of them on the show, like Kayleen Schaefer's book, Text Me When You Get Home. And, you know, it's like, it's cool to talk about friendship and friendship is in the atmosphere. But the thing is that like, there are no books written from the perspective of people who are struggling in friendships or people who are trying to do the thing. And uh, there are like many books written like that about like what it's like to be a parent or what it's like to, you know, want to be married or romantic relationships. And for us, like this was an opportunity to do this with, um, you know, when the the book is coming from inside the house. So. Right. (laughs) Right. Like if those other books are like a drone level view of the kind of place friendship holds in modern life. Ours is like you're in the house, you're under the couch cushions where it's like dirty <laughs> and like difficult. You are like, you're, you're, we're in it. I think that that is right. a, an important visual. And it's, <laughs> and it's also different from the podcast in that, um, you know, on the podcast, we like, we get to do this every week and we get to talk to each other and it, but there's still like a lot of assumptions that people make about our friendship or about us. And so this is like, one way to like to tell the story differently to be honest about it differently and I think that the goal is that it'll just make other people like talk about their own friendships like part of why um you know we do these like mailbag episodes right or that people are constantly asking us for friendship advice is because they think that we have it figured out and it's like are you kidding (laughs) (laughs) are you kidding like I'm secretly the one writing all of these like every month like no wow this explains so much explains so much (laughs) what do I do when my friend is so beautiful and successful um you know like Uh... I like the truth is that like yeah you know a lot of people think that like we have it figured out I clearly do not have it figured out and what would help me figure it out is if everybody was having a more honest conversation especially women about what it's like to be in a relationship together for as much as we like value it and that you're supposed to collect women in your life like nobody talks about how messy it is so we're gonna go there I'm super excited about this yeah 100% and I think that like your point earlier about we do something on the podcast that I think is intimate. Like we share of ourselves, like we are in conversation with each other. Like there are things you can learn about our dynamic as two humans from listening. But then there's like a lot of other stuff that is not appropriate for like the week in, week out of of this podcast. And that I think is like where the real work of friendship, like our friendship and friendship in general gets done. And so like, I think about this less as like, oh, here's how we solved all these problems we had. And more like, Here's how we started talking in honest ways about all the problems we had. Totally. And also, like, if you think yeah. about, like, the things that you learn from the most, like, nobody's going like, hey, please listen to episode 92 of this podcast. <laughs> like, all of your friends. Right. You know, and saying, like, this is the thing. that It's just like, like, book writing is a different exercise. God, we already sound annoying. Like, people, I, like, people who write books who talk about their book all the time drive me nuts. And I realize that I'm fully going to become one of those people. I get it now. But, um, you know, it's... I've already told you that this is basically my baby. So, like, get ready. It's true. It is It is your... I, had, you know, I still need to process that. I don't think I ever thought I would ever write a book before. 
and you know me, I'm a notorious post-processor. Like, I'll probably cry about this in two years. So, about, like, what an, what an, in, what an incredible accomplishment it was. So... Just in time for it to come out in paperback. <laughs> Inshallah, paperback. So, if you are just, like, thirsty to know more about what's going on in our lives, this book is for you. If you're somebody who wants to know more about... Um, you know, like a women's friendship and intimacy between women, like this book's for you. If you are somebody who also wants to read about how like women's intimacy is like being weaponized and really like alienates a lot of people, this book is also for you. So um, if you want to find out more, you can go to bigfriendship.com, sign up for some alerts. The book does not come out forever, but we will be doing regular updates on the podcast. Yeah, and if we seem a little frazzled slash like unexpectedly deep at random moments and also really exhausted at others, like it's probably because we have this like book writing process going on in the background. Let me tell so, you, ha- book writing's the worst scam because you have to do the work. I don't like this. So we thought it would be good to do this episode with a nod to the questions, some of the questions that you all have sent in related to friendship as a kickoff for like our book process in general. So yeah, do you want to read some questions? Sure, let's do it. The first question, I would like to get your perspectives on how to support a friend in his career transition slash job search. My friend has been on the job market for three years now. For the first year or two, he was focused on trying to find an academic position in a tiny niche within the social sciences. In the past six months, he's been earnestly looking for nonprofit and private sector research positions. My concern is that he does not have experience for the positions he wants. I have a contact at an organization he plans to apply to, but I am inclined to tell him that he is not ready for a research directorship at a nonprofit. I'm wondering if this would be a shitty move on my part. I think he would have better luck looking for a more junior position and trying to work his way up to where he wants. A little context. We met 11 years ago when we were in graduate school. I completed an MA and work in the nonprofit sector for 10 years. He completed his PhD three years ago. He has done some adjunct teaching, but other than that, hasn't held a paid position or done any contract work since before grad school. My eyes are rolling to space. There is definitely also, there is also a privileged story here that I buy into. I'm a queer woman of color and we had vastly different upbringing. His parents are highly paid professionals with multiple degrees. Mine are working class immigrants who went bankrupt two months after I started uni. I work through school and only recently accepted financial support from family to pay off the last of my student debt he has always received significant financial support from family so back to the question am i right to want to tell my friend to lower his expectations at this stage in his career i'm used to doing the opposite trying to encourage black and brown women and trans folks to reach higher than they believe they can and work my resources to help them do it should i set him up with my contact have a heart to heart with him about expectations or both So much to unpack here, as they say, (laughs) as they say. Yeah. So like there are a couple of different layers here. I mean, I feel like there is the privilege layer for sure. There is the mixing friendship and professional stuff layer. And then there's also this layer that is about like, when should you not just relentlessly cheerlead your friends? Like when when does it actually hurt them to continually be like, you got this, you got this, you got this, go for it, go for it, go for it. Like, at what point um, do you walk back your unilateral support, if ever? Like, I think, I don't know, am I missing anything else? So many things. Like- I mean, yeah, I think those are, I think those are all the things. Um, but, you know, some of them, too, are just about expectations, right? And so, 
Like I, what, the first thing that I hear here, right, is that I have a contact at an organization he plans to apply to. Um, but is he asking you to endorse him, or are you assuming? That's like a thing that is mm. not. That's not clear to me from this email, right? Right. And if he's explicitly like, "Will you?" Intro right. Me? It's like, "Will you intro me?" Which is a very different question from like, "Ah, oh, my friend is applying at a thing where I know people, and he's going to embarrass me with his PhD." So, like, <laughs> those are those are like wildly different questions. The theme that runs through all of this for me, though, is that it's actually not about this job search. It's about the kind of communication that you have with your friend. I feel this deeply, like always being the cheerleader of especially my like black and brown women friends and my LGBT friends and like getting them to like go for it and reach higher and whatever. But I do that because like one, they're all fucking accomplished. And two, the world usually tells them that they don't deserve the things that they're going for. Right. And so um, being somebody who is able to like use your resources to help your friends, um, you know, like your friends that look like you or your friends from like communities that are more marginalized than you to help them like reach their dreams. That to me is a fundamentally different question from like, do I do that for my white friends? And I've done it differently across the years. I think that in the last two years, I've been more conscious of like, can they get to this end goal without me? And if the answer is yes, then I don't, it's like the idea of like pouring all of my resources into helping most of my like more privileged friends is, is something that has become like harder and harder for me to do. And I've had to have like really uncomfortable conversations about it, but they're also necessary conversations because a lot of times you realize that like you're both making assumptions, right? Like if you're saying, well, this person always had help from their family and I didn't, if that's kind of the first time that they know how you feel about that, I'm not saying that it's a red flag, but it's definitely something that you should spend some more time unpacking with them. Yeah. And I think that that, that is something that I think about when I hear this question too, right? Like, what about your friend's job search is like making you feel shitty about your friendship with him, right? Mm -hmm. So like if it is that you're not, you're not sort of expressing, hey, guess what? I worked for 10 years and I built these contacts because like, you know, like through my own sweat equity and it is hurtful to me and disrespectful of the work I've put in in my own career when you ask for those contacts without acknowledging that you haven't put in similar work or like, you know, some of it is, is, can just be about acknowledgement as well. Like how would this look different if it were like, listen, I know that it is a priority for you to help people from underrepresented communities. I am not such a person, but you know, or like, like, and, totally. and I don't think that that means that means that you have to do it if a person acknowledges the role that these types of privilege play. But I do think it can open the door for the kind of conversation that clearly needs to happen here. Like if you're both acknowledging that it is not just like, hey, pal, can I get that email? Like there's like a lot of other things going on. Right. It's it's um, more than that. Yeah. Right. And I think, too, that like like I have been I've, and I know that like you probably have to and like in the position of like somebody that you truly love is applying to, you know, like forget the gender race lens or whatever. Somebody that you truly love is applying to a job that you do not think that they're ready for. And having to have like the honest conversations like, listen, I can 100% pass on your resume, but I cannot give you a full-throated endorsement because I do not think that you're ready for it. Have you said that to people before? Yes, and it's really uncomfortable. It's like wildly uncomfortable. And and it's because like for a long time I was an avoider, right? Where I was like, oh, like when the email shows up of like, will you help me do this? And I'm just like, mm, you're not ready. 
or um or sure i'll do it and then either not do it or like do it in a way where i just like forward the resume and i'm like hi i know this person but i don't think that they're ready for the job and here you know basically you push it on to the other person's uh, into somebody else's uh um like court is that the truth was i realized i was like oh i just need to be more comfortable having these conversations where i say i love you I can certainly pass on your resume because that costs me nothing, but I cannot give you the endorsement that you want. And, you know, it's like professional reputation takes a really long time to build up. And again, like when you come from a marginalized community, you feel that like so much more closely. And for somebody to just like very cavalierly be like, um, I'm expecting you to help me without a larger conversation about what that means in your friendship is usually like very telling about a lot of other kinds of dynamics. Yeah, I mean, often what I will do is I will just say to someone that I will be honest about how I know, you know, I know you. So I would say, like, look, like, if in, in the case of this question asker, I would maybe say you can have the email address because most of the time professional email addresses are publicly available. But my, if I do forward along your resume, it will say this person is a personal friend of mine who I have never worked with. Yeah, You know, exactly. like, it will be, it will be, it, I will be categorizing, like, you according to, or this is a person I met once at a networking thing whose, like, day-to-day work experience I cannot vouch for. Like, that is usually what I do, is I say, look, like, I will forward, but I will be honest. And I think that, like, that is, like, that's not really what this question is about. I mean, the question is, like, 100%, like, about work capital and, like, personal relationships, but... Really, like, I feel like this question is about feeling put upon, like, in the friendship. And, like, this friend does not understand um, her position, you know, like, and in the world, in the profession, like, all of that. Totally. And part of why they don't understand, the friend doesn't understand um, your position or their position is is because it's not something that you've discussed. And I think that, you know, there it's interesting, like, especially when you're the friend who is the cheerleader all the time. It is really interesting how like some people expect help versus some people like are they think that you have like moved the world if you do the smallest thing in the world for them, you know, like i.e. like give them an email that is publicly available. And (laughs) and it's not surprising to me like what racial and gender categories those two people usually tend to fall into. Right. And so I think that like one of the things like one of the points about like being in like interracial friendships is that you need to be able to like talk about this stuff honestly and saying like, hi, like I worked really hard to get to where I'm at and to feel that I can ask for help in a professional setting is something that, you know, something that does not come easily to me. And when I see you do it like so easily, it it makes me think about X, Y, Z. And it makes me think, you know, like, it's just, it's like this person is your friend. Clearly you love them. You should be able to talk to them about this. It is hard, but it's, if you want to be friends with them for a long time, you're going to have to. Right. This person is saying, do I send the contact? Do I have a heart to heart? You say the answer is have a heart to heart. <laughs> like, <laughs> like before, before, during, and after all of this. <laughs> right. Like don't do anything for a friend that you will end up resenting them for later if you haven't had a real talk with them about it. Because right. then it is not fair to resent them for it. And I feel like the deeper expectations question, like if you kind of try to separate that out from the questions of privilege that we were talking about, of just like, how do you tell a friend to lower their expectations? I mean, I feel like that is something that 
is a lot easier to do if you have like a fully expressed and honest exchange about a lot of this other stuff, frankly. Totally, 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 totally. Wow, who knew this work question? So deep. <laughs> oh my God. Ugh. Next question. Go for it. Okay. I just got back from my first year of college. And while I don't feel I've changed too much, I must have because suddenly I feel very different about one of my childhood BFFs. We've been close since five years old, living in the same neighborhood and going to the same schools. That's a 14-year friendship. Big friendship. I love it. <laughs> but, now, but now I notice how down I feel after spending time with her and how little connection I feel. Our conversations consistently revolve around the same uninspiring and unstimulating topics of boys, in quotes, and gossip of personal issues of our fellow classmates. Moreover, there's an odd, omnipresent sense of prizing heteronormative sexuality and considering it a race to have as many sexual experiences as fast as possible, along with drug and alcohol experiences. Meanwhile, I'm focused on my Roxanne Gay and Zora Neale Hurston repertoire. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> I, could not, I could not have more different values. I have tried to make this clear in the past, but the message has yet to be received. She also seems to imply a power imbalance that makes me feel uncomfortable as she compares our experiences and skills. As a lifelong friend, the feeling that she only seems to recognize me on the surface is pretty tough to reconcile. My question to you two is how to approach this conversation I clearly need to have with her. I'm naturally passive and find confrontation very difficult, but this is killing me and I respect her too much not to talk to. I've never had to break up with a friend before or confront them about feeling unsatisfactorily served in our relationship, but this is literally keeping me awake at night, weighing down my heart and mind. Oof. Uh, first of all, congratulations on one year of college. That's, a, that's huge. I, I think you change more that year than you do the rest of college, honestly. Really? I, I mean... It is, I guess I, I would have to go back to the receipts, i.e. the journals to figure out if that's Man, true Man, I was but. like, my, I was like plate tectonics changing that first year because you think <laughs> that nothing has happened and then this thing precisely happens. For me, it was like Thanksgiving. Like you go home and you like see people, you see people that you used to know and you're like, I don't feel different. And then they say the same things that they used to say to you like six months ago. And now you're like, this is not okay. And then you're like, I have grown. <laughs> <laughs> you're like a personal growth. Check it out. Uh Shout out to Roxanne Gay and Zora Neale Hurston. I know. <laughs> you know, this this thing is like, man, I feel this. A 14-year friendship is like, is so big, you know, let's be real. And I think family level. Yeah, it's family level. And I think that there is also a thing where, um, you know, people 
will tend not to respect these kinds of like long friendships if you if there's somebody that you've known since you were very young and you're like basically in your 20s now but the truth is that this is a large part of your life like especially for where you're at and it's also not an uncommon thing at all like uh you know part of the reason that you're friends with this person is because uh you were in the same boat as i like to say and so these are the people that kind of life gives you and also like you're learning more about yourself and you're you're moving on if this is keeping you awake at night then you 100 percent have to talk to your friend about it you have to talk to them for your own sake and for their own sake because there's no reason to be this miserable at all the thing that probably is making you very anxious is that you think that having this talk will destroy the friendship but the truth is that like the friendship is already uh very precarious whether you have the talk or not something is going to destroy it so right i mean she said in the first like three sentences about like feeling awful after she spends time she feels down after she hangs out with this friend yeah that's not a that's a no for me dog um so (laughs) we can't we can't live that way and so i think that like one confronting that like your friendship has already changed it is probably not great And I would also wager to you that um, for however you feel about this other person, it's also probably not great for them. But like you can't control how everybody feels. You can only control how you feel. And the only way that it will get better is if either you uh, undo the personal growth that you had (laughs) this one year of college. Not an option. Right. I'm just here like, right. "Eh, I'm like, is that an option? (laughs) It's like, unless you undo that. Or you both decide together that you are going to change and grow together. This is like a very common problem. Like people who have known each other for a long time and then are not growing at the same velocity rate. You got to talk to them and you have to be prepared that you will lose this friend. And I think that it is in how you talk to them, right? So instead of, I would focus more on how you feel than what you think they are doing. So, you know, like saying like, uh, so any kind of accusatory, like, you only talk about boys, even if it's true. And you only gossip about our dumb high school classmates, even if it's true. Or you're like, you only talk about small things, even if it's true, will have a less better impact than if you said, here is how I feel when I hear you talk about heteronormative like sexuality. Here is how I feel when I hear you talk about these topics and saying, these are not important things in my life anymore. And I feel like we are being competitive with each other and it's not fair to either of us. Like, one, am I the only person who feels that way? Like, what do you think? And also, like, if she is not willing to budge, then it's sad. But also, you don't have to stay friends with somebody forever because you've known them forever. Yeah, I mean, I I also think that, like, acknowledging that two people are in a friendship, (laughs) you might hate the fact that when you're with this person, you find yourself talking about gossipy things that like don't matter to you or like you know who you got drunk and hooked up with which like doesn't fundamentally matter to you but like you find yourself doing it because this is something that this other person brings out in you and like being able to say I feel shitty after we talk about all this stuff for a long time acknowledges that like you're probably participating I mean like I think about like myself and people I have been in friendships with where I'm like huh like I actually don't care about the things that we've spent all this time talking about. But like, if you were to film it with a camera, I'm talking as much as this other person is. I just feel like whatever it is about our dynamic is pulling that direction. It's not like this other person is talking and talking and talking and I'm just sitting there. Like frequently there is a level of participation. And so being able to kind of own that too and be like, look, like I've sort of realized that the friendships that are feeding me a lot, like the friendships that I feel really good about, we're talking about things like X, Y, and Z 
that's not happening with you and me. Why is that? Like, you know, like instead of coming in from a place of like, you don't understand what heteronormativity means or like, you know, like you're not, you're not reading the same shit that I'm reading, which is, which is probably true, but like, you know, not necessarily worth saying. And then, and then the other thing that I would say is knowing that like for you, you know, is this someone who really has moved over to that category of family where you're like, I want to have some kind of connection to this person for a long time, even if it doesn't look like the friendship we've had for 14 years? Or is this something that I would actually feel better about, like, making a clean break from and, like, not not having her in my life at all? Like, trying to answer some questions like that, I think, can inform how you raise these issues and have the conversation. Because I think, like, one of the wonderful things about friendship is, like, it can change in response to, like, different phases of your life like she could become kind of like a beloved acquaintance who you're just like you know what she's going through something at college right now and I like I'm not going to be able to go through that with her but like who knows maybe in five years we both come up for air and like this sort of light tether we've maintained can be strengthened again into a friendship and so those are the kinds of questions to be asking it all and it only works if you're on the same page about it yeah you can't unilaterally be like okay let's downgrade to acquaintance and not really hang out too much because like on your own without her feeling like you've ghosted her or something like that if you don't talk about it. Ooh, um, good luck. Yeah, this is a real lifelong one though. I mean, I feel like this is like, you, like if, if you can figure out how to navigate this, this is like life skills. Like people change, people change, like especially like once every 14 years, like I would hope so. And you're going to have to do this again. Oh, yeah, you you're going to have like, to do not- this every decade of your life. This is not uh, confined to like, I've gone to college and my friends are different. This literally can happen with like your friends from now. It's nuts. Ooh, Amina and Anne um, with terrible friendship advice. <laughs> Question three. Oh my, oh my God. <laughs> Question number three. Two years ago, I had a friend break up with one of my long distance besties because she decided to befriend my rapist, move in with him and lie to me about it. I worked really hard. Wow. Mm-hmm. I worked really hard to salvage our relationship. But when I pushed back on her choice, she had no interest in continuing to speak to me. I've gone to therapy to work through a lot of the hurt, anger and sadness I felt about the breakup. And my personal healing has led me to want to be on amicable terms with her. However, on top of diminishing my sexual assault experience, my rapist was a groomsman in her wedding and her husband is a man who considers himself to be part of the alt-right. Clearly, clearly she is not a good person, but I still love and care about her. I can't reconcile the person she is today with the sweet, loving friend who was by my side through a lot of difficult parts of my life. What do you do when you realize the people you love are bad people? How can I finally convince myself to stop caring about someone who isn't worth my affection? Um, li- uh, listener, I want to say that I am very sorry that this has happened to you. It is deeply unfair and it is eternally shitty. And I am so sorry that you are dealing with any part of it. I know my heart, my heart goes out to this person. I know. And also like, I'm so proud of this person for like going to therapy and like working it all out and like still having honestly like a very still like wanting to love this person who has like so clearly hurt them. That is not an easy feat. This is this is so hard for me to to answer because I I recognize like how deeply personal these kinds of choices can be. But at the same time, like I will say this that you need to put yourself first, like in all of these situations. Like your friend has clearly chosen herself. Like she has chosen like her own happiness and her own like rationalization for her life. And so she cares about herself and you care about her, but who is caring about you? And 
you need to really think of yourself as just as worthy and as important of having like a full life. And part of being like a happy, healthy person is not being around people who make you feel shitty and being around people who, who diminish like really awful things that have happened to you. And I hear you. I think that like, you know, some people do really bad things and some people even sometimes are bad people, but that's not the full story about them. It's just like realizing that in this moment, they're not equipped to like love you the way that you are supposed to be loved. And so putting some distance between them, like both emotionally and actually physically is one way that you can move on because you're the one doing all of the investing. Like what is this person doing? Nothing. And if like they can't, you can love somebody and still have a lot of affection for them, but you don't enable like their bad behavior and putting that distance between you and them is one of the ways to do that. Like they do not get full access to your life because they are doing things that hurt you. Yeah. I I just keep thinking about Virgie Tovar in the very first episode of this year saying you have the right to thrive. The fact that this is past tense. Like, you know, it is like, you know, she's saying like, this person is not a part of my life and I feel sad about it. But like, the fact is this person is not a part of my life. I'm like, you know, like, it's a lie to say that like the hard part is just like the breakup or the decision. And like what I, what I love about like the honesty of this letter is, is that like, you know, like it is not much like in any other kind of breakup, like you have to figure out what it means that this person who is no longer in your life was once such a big part of it. Like that is a process that like, regardless of what you want to choose to do relating to that person in the future, like you have to go through for you too. And like the dissonance of the story of like, Hey, like this person was really good to me in some ways too. And like, you know, trying to reconcile that with all of this, like truly, truly horrible behavior is hard. And I don't have like a, this is how you do it. But I think that like, you know, she's clearly, she's clearly like doing the work by even, by even like asking this question and kind of saying like, this is hard to hold both of these Right. Truths. And also like the answer to this is like one of the same as one that we gave earlier. Like it takes two people to be in a friendship. You cannot want to like force amicable terms on someone who has shown you by their behavior exactly how they feel about you. The only part that you can control is how you feel about them. So if you want to be amicable with her, it means that. It means amicable. It doesn't mean like best friends. It doesn't mean, uh, you know, somebody who has like a serious intimacy in your life anymore. It just means that you do not hate them and that you wish them the best. And also that your heart is open to, to hearing from them when they're ready to be back in your life. But at the same time, you have to love yourself as much as you love this person. And clearly you care about this woman so much. But I would say like, what happens if you transfer even like 10% of that energy back onto yourself and say like, here's what it takes to like make me a happy and healthy person. Because a lot of this too is just that sometimes like hanging on to people from your past is how you feel that your life has not changed. And the truth is that like your life has changed drastically. It's true. And it doesn't, it, and it truly doesn't like undo the fact that like this person writes, this friend was by my side through a lot of difficult parts of your life. Like you can still be grateful for that. And that can be true while simultaneously being like, yeah, circumstances have changed and that that's just not the case anymore. You know, like that is like both of those things can be true and you don't have to disavow the good parts of your friendship in order to make a healthy choice and not continue to be in it in the future. 
Right. So thank you so much for writing. We hope that you are feeling a little better about yourself and that you will allow yourself to thrive. Do you want to do one last one here? One last question. I'm almost 30 and I still have bitter, petty feelings towards my high school frenemy. During our high school years, she was taller and thinner than me, so she tended to act like she was better than me. She would make passive-aggressive comments to me and would hit on my high school boyfriends, then date them once we broke up. High school boyfriends, plural. Wow, what a world. She was... <laughs> wow. T- from two late know. bloomers, I'm we like, what? <laughs> There's only four years of high school. What? She was a pretty <laughs> shitty person. Fast forward, we're both 11 years past high school graduation. She has gained a significant amount of weight, and I've discovered weightlifting, which has given me significantly more confidence and while also losing some weight. I try to be a good feminist, but when I see where we both are now, I have a hard time not mocking her weight gain in my head. It's bad, it's fat shamey, and not healthy. It doesn't help that she is transphobic and supports Ivanka's dad, the trifecta. Wow, the other shoe. The other shoe always (laughs) drops. I write all of this to say that I don't like silently mocking her in my head for gaining weight since high school. All of us have done it. I've struggled with my weight. How can I focus on the fact that she's just a shitty person and not happy that she gained weight? Yeah, you have some really fucked up feelings about fat people. That's like fine to admit. Um, And like focusing, like actually like working through that instead of using the like, oh, this woman that was mean to me gained weight. So that's why maybe it's a little okay to like think that she's shitty is um, like that does not work for me. Like you, you both like clearly have like fat people shaming problems. So that's one thing. And I was going to say too, when I hear her saying all these horrible things about her high school frenemy in her head, I'm like, who's listening to that? You are like, you are running a toxic tape for yourself. And you're still stuck in high school too. So the the thing that is like magical Mm -hmm. about all of this is that unless they literally live in your house, you don't have to keep up with your high school friends. If you follow this woman on any kind of social media platform, you should unfollow her because you like don't need access to her life or to, you know, like remember all this stuff. And this isn't to diminish like the kind of pain that she put you through in high school. Like that was awful. Like it was really awful that she did that. But hanging on to these high school people, if all it does is like trigger these memories, is probably the sign that you can let go of them, right? And I think that like also if you have access to it, like being in therapy and being honest about this stuff is probably very useful because it is normal for like our like everybody has this, like your past like shapes you so much. But if it makes you feel this is shitty and is not in line with like the kind of life that you want to have, then you should actually find a way to like work through it. And like, what is it about that time of your life that was so hard that you cannot let it go 11 years later, you know? And also like surrounding yourself with like people who are radically different from, um, you know, this world is uh, probably like going to be very beneficial. Yeah. I mean, I just, I just keep thinking about how you're sort of telling yourself that this is, these are things you're saying about your high school frenemy. And like, in fact, this is just like a way you are, I don't know how consciously, but like working out some deeper beliefs about the world, which like, as you say, Amina is like fucked up shit that happens to us in high school is like has staying power. Like that is like a super vulnerable period of life. But it's like, I can't imagine that if this woman disappeared tomorrow, if the frenemy disappeared tomorrow, 
that all of these feelings would just go away. Like they would, I really believe that they would like transfer to someone else or like, you know, there would be kind of some other way that um, that, that script keeps running um, in this letter writer's head. So yeah, I mean, unfollowing is like such a good suggestion. I mean, I also think about, I, I have a good friend who always says ignore to destroy. Like if you're really still feeling <laughs> angry that. and bitter at her, it's like the, 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 the place to get to is like, I'm sorry, who? Like, you know, like to, to, to really kind of work through those feelings enough that they're not attached to um, like a human being and who you are not like fixated on because like attention, the most valuable currency you've got. So don't give it to a person who doesn't deserve it. Don't toxically turn it against yourself. Definitely don't like let it go unchecked that you are having these feelings toward like, let's be real, like an overall like, um, you know, body type not just like one specific person in your past. And I really, I like do appreciate the honesty of this letter 100%. of just being like, this is something that is like happening in the back of my head that like I can't, I I know is bad and yet I can't let go, you know? That's real. Um, so yeah, find other things to focus on, talk to a therapist about it and like completely unfollow this person the unfollow advice like honestly goes for everything if you are like scrolling through anything on social media and it makes you angry you should just unfollow i mean also there's that new mute feature which is a goddess send for people who you like for some social reason cannot fully unfollow mute 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 right <laughs> you don't need bad juju in your social media feeds it's true. And we did talk a couple episodes back about some of the accounts we love that feature like lots of different types of humans and bodies like looking amazing and living great lives that we like to follow. So maybe check that out, too. Um, good luck, listener. Ugh. Oh, my God, man. Friendship so messy. Can't wait to write a big book about it. Oh, my God. Yes, I know. It's like, you know, it's, I got to say, it's like it is it is a topic like when I when we like talk about questions like this, I realize I realize how few resources there are in like kind of like one place for considering some of this stuff, you know, like I'm just like, oh, yeah, there isn't like we're not like, oh, yes, get a friendship therapist. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, they're just, oh, yeah, like, at your at your annual, like, discuss the relationship with this old friend, just bring it up. Like, they're, they're, they're just do not exist, the mechanisms. No, it's just, like, eat as much Tums as you can until the, the <laughs> your stomach lining is destroyed by anxiety. Okay, before we go, there is a new member of Team CYG that we are so excited to have. Shout out to Destry Maria Sibley, who is our new associate producer. And here's a little introductory interview between her and Gina. So I'm Destry Maria Sibley, and I'm an audio producer, mostly media producer, writer, based in New York City. Destry, we're so stoked to have you working on CYG. I'm so excited. Such a dream. Tell us about yourself. What have you been working on lately? Yeah, so lately I've been working on my own podcast series. I just got back from Mexico where I was on a nine-month fellowship with Fulbright and National Geographic. And I was recording oral history interviews with a group of now really elderly people who were child refugees of the Spanish Civil War. And so I'm now working on creating a podcast series out of their stories. Um, it's going to be in English and Spanish, so it's coming at some point. That's amazing. And was there personal significance for you? What drew you to that project? <laughs> yes, I always bury this lead. But my grandmother was one of these kids. She was the youngest, as far as I understand. She was three when she fled the Spanish Civil War. 
And um, most of the kids never went back to Spain. So she ended up growing up in Mexico. My mom was born there, too. That's incredible. And like, does, well, many more questions about that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> more, the series is coming. Listen hopefully. to Destry's podcast when it comes out, and you'll, you'll hear all about that. What made you interested in working on CYG, and what's something that you're excited to pursue? Oh, so excited. Well, I've been listening since really early days, really, really early days. So, you know, there are the podcasts out there. When you work in media, you're like, oh, I'd really like to work on that show one day. Mm -hmm. So when I saw the opening, I completely jumped. But, you know, I have a real soft spot in my heart for working on women-only podcast teams and (laughs) any teams. So that's a huge, huge plus. And, you know, I just am fangirling all the time about all the guests that come on the show. In my past life, I was a community organizer. So love the political slant. I'm entering a PhD program this fall in English Lit. So I love all the authors that get interviewed. I want to read all their books. So mostly I'm just going to be behind the scenes, like being a fangirl. What else have you been listening to or what would you recommend to um, CYG fans that they check out? Yeah, lately, all of my friends and I have been binge listening to Esther Perel's podcast, Where Should We Begin? Mm-hmm. Um, it's very raw. It's very intimate for people who don't know. It's uh, recorded therapy sessions, couples therapy sessions with Esther Perel, who's this incredible relationships counselor. She's got great TED Talks, great books. But yeah, it's incredibly raw. It's incredibly intimate. But it's such an education. Anyone should listen to it. Anyone who's in therapy, non-therapy, in a relationship, not in a relationship, big fan. Do you and your friends then dissect it? What's popping on the group chat about it? Things come up in people's lives. And then all the time we're like, oh, well, there's an Esther Perel episode about that. So, you know, (laughs) a friend who's like, I don't know what to do because my other friend is having this really intense affair and lying into everyone in our life. We're like, oh, there's there's a where should we begin episode about that. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Just like Esther knows what to do. Budget therapy. (laughs) Good for those in and out of therapy. Exactly. For those who can't afford it, which is many of us, you know. Yeah, it's real. Esther. It's real out here. If people want to follow you, stalk your socials, where should they go? Yeah, I'm Destry Sibley on Twitter and Instagram. Website's DestrySibley.com. And if anyone wants to hear this podcast that's coming out, it's coming. And it's L-E-Y, Sibley, right? Yes. Destry, like, destroy without the O. And Sibley, S-I-B, like boy, L-E-Y. We're so excited to be working with you and can't wait to hear all of the magic you bring on and off the mic to future CYG episodes. Oh, thank you. Very excited. If you want to read more about Destry's favorite snacks and all the things that she's up to, you should subscribe to The Bleed, our monthly newsletter at callyourgirlfriend.com slash The Bleed. And uh, you'll find out so much more about her. You can find us many places on the internet, on our website, callyourgirlfriend.com. You can download the show anywhere you listen to your faves or on Apple Podcasts, where we would love it if you left us a review. You can email us at callyrgf at gmail.com. We're on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at callyrgf. You can even leave us a short and sweet voicemail at 714-681-2943. That's 714-681-CYGF. Our theme song is by Robin. Original music is composed by Carolyn Pennypacker-Riggs. Our logos are by Kanisha Sneed. Our associate producer is Destry Maria Sibley. This podcast is produced by Gina Dalvac. <laughs>